Hi everyone, welcome to Equals. This is Nabil. We've got an amazing interview today with the music artist and activist Pilato from Zambia. Going to ask you to grab a tissue because it's an emotional one, but also grab your best stereo too because we're going to be listening to Pilato, but also listening to some of his best music from over the years. We're going to try something really modern. We're going to have music inside the podcast, which is pretty pretty cool. Very cool. Very high tech. Very high tech for equals. And uh, this is also the last last equals of the season. So it's a kind of finale, which is uh, which is exciting too. Yeah, been quite the journey, hasn't it, Max? Have you got a favourite episode this season? Well, it's, we've had some great interviews, but I think uh, the last one you did, you and Nadia did with Gary Young, was probably my best ever episode, actually. It was amazing. Yeah, an amazing interview, amazing man, and I'm probably inclined to agree with you, to be honest. But yeah, folks, it's you know it's been quite the season. We've started out speaking to the head of the IMF, Kristalina Gorgieva. We've spoken to leaders on climate change. We've spoken about how we're going to be able to get a vaccine. There's so much there. It's been really inspiring. And I've learned a lot. I don't know about you, Max. Oh, me too. You know, great interviews. It's such a privilege to be able to do this. And, uh, you know, as always, you know, if you like the podcast, please recommend it to your friends, share it, leave us a review because uh, that's that's what gets people listening which makes it worthwhile totally so today's episode folks is about music it's about the power of music to change the world and max in preparing for this episode i was thinking about bob marley i was thinking about sam cook i was thinking about music through history that's left a dent on the world you know yes and pilato very much comes from that heritage the kind of marriage of politics activism and fantastic music so it's going to be great to 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 talk to him today well said. And, and maybe today is a day, Max, that we solve our, you know, what do you call it? A long running dispute about the, the greatest era of music ever. Yeah. So for the listeners, uh, you because they may have a view, your proposition <laughs> is that early 2000s R&B and hip hop was uh, the greatest era of musical history. Is that that's right? Yeah. I mean, some would call it a proposition, Max. Maybe I would call it a fact. Let's see what what Pilato thinks of that. Yeah, should we should we yeah, get totally. on the interview? Yeah, let's get to it and let's let's transition with some of his music as well. Brilliant. Pilato, me I don't know. Kale kale my number, unfueni economics yam kabuba. Dason kela batinshi bomba, nari na na mufia kulomba. Pilato, my brother, a warm, warm welcome to Equals. It's so good to have you on. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here and looking forward to a great discussion. It's really good to talk to you, Pilato. I mean, I think if we could start, um, I mean, it'd be great for the listeners out there all over the world to just hear a bit about you, you know, where, what you're, where you're coming from. You know, you don't need to tell us about your first girlfriend, uh, but maybe some <laughs> some details uh, would be good um, and then give people a feel. Yeah, that'd be good. So my name is uh, Fumba Chama and I'm uh, the number two in the family of four. And I was born in Ndola. Ndola is a district on the Copper Belt. The Copper Belt is a province in Zambia. I, I grew up in a place called Ndeke in Ndola. And uh, much of my childhood was like every other 
childhood until at age of 16 when uh, both my parents died. Mom and dad died and circumstances uh, required that my older brother go his different way because we needed to be looked after. We needed uh, people's kindness at, at that point. So my older brother went to look for his own space and I was uh, I went to also look for my space at 16 and my older my younger brother went to stay with my grandfather and my other young brother who was the last born went to live with uh, my uncle so as time went by uh i i found myself in a situation where i needed to depend on people's kindness uh i needed somebody to offer help for me to survive a day so there were moments that at the age of 18, I was, I was renting my first, apart, my first room. I wouldn't call it apartment because that, that might just misrepresent the fact. So it was a room mm-hmm. that I had to uh, rent and uh, I didn't have a job. I was in school and uh, very young, I had to be forced to start renting a room. And I think after a few minutes or a few months in, into renting my own apartment, my young brother who was staying with my grandfather, also uh, was forced out of wherever he was staying. I don't know why they kicked him out, but they kicked him out. And he came to join me in my in this room. I'd become a, a guardian to my young brother, and we were both in school. So I had to make sure that I pay rent. I had to make sure that I pay for my own education. I had to make sure that I pay for my brother's education. I had to make sure that I feed him. I feed myself. I get clothes for the both of us and then still pay for education and survive a day, survive time as, as, as we lived. So, but it got to a point where we got so, so helpless, you know? And I remember this, uh, my young brother mentioned this uh, better. There's a time that uh, we were so hungry, like I'd spent about two, three days without food. So we went to school and then luckily there were people from the hospital that were collecting blood from donors. So luckily, I saw them. And then I went to uh, donate blood. And they gave me uh, a packet of sugar, milk, juice, and a biscuit. That was so much for me. That was super exciting. And I left school immediately and went home to my, bro- to my young brother. So I got, to my, got, I got home. And I I found him super starved and he's about to eat this thing that he got from the garbage. So I told him, no, 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 you don't have to do this. I've got the milk, I've got the sugar, I've got juice, I've got a biscuit. And we ate what, what I got from blood donation. There's so many other instances like that. But what saved us mostly was the uh, support, the kindness of the people in my community. So for me... Growing up in such an environment, such a situation, such a reality, first of all, my childhood was cut short. I was made to start thinking of what to, how to survive in a, in a, as a child, also survive as, as a guardian, and then had so many responsibilities that I had to think like an adult. And during that time, I realized that there is literally nothing that I could do to people that were so kind, so supportive to me and my young brother, even in their poverty. And today I ask myself, what will I do to people that sacrificed so much for me and my brother? I honestly still don't know what I could do to thank them. Apart from the little that I do to fight for their good, for a reality where these people that are poor can still have access to dignity, can still have access to basic needs. Because 
in their poverty, in their in, in their lack, they still could share. They still could share with us. They could they still could share with so many other young orphans and vulnerable people in my community. But what is it that we can do as people that are coming from such a background to make sure that there are not so many of there are not any more young people in our communities that depend on in charity? What we can what can we do? My work is basically to champion to advocate for equal access to some of these basic needs. Because at the end of the day, we do have people that are so, so poor, not because they are lazy, not because not because they are not educated, not be, but because the system does not favor people like them, people in their situations. So that's briefly uh, about my, my, my life. That experience that you've had and that you've shared with many others, has, has it seems to sh- shape your music, right? And I mean, I've I've been listening to your music since since we met, since I heard about you. Uh, I've been listening to Niam Beko recently. Actually, I think it's my favorite song. And you're saying in this song, you know, my parents are asking me what's troubling me. I'm fearful. I can't speak, so I'm singing. Young children are homeless. They're orphaned. They're sleeping in ditches on the street. Look, my nyanja is not very good, Pilato, but I think that hopefully that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> but, what I'm saying in this song. Yeah. So Pilato, can you tell us like what's you know what's behind this song but more broadly than that what's what's behind your music what's influencing you to to talk about these issues through your music that very very few people are it still gets back to where i'm coming from the background i just shared today we are living in a society where humanity is determined by how much one has in the bank account or in their pocket or where which side of the town they live or who they know so there are so many people whose humanity we've taken away because they do not smell as nice as we do, because they do not dress so well as we do. And the victims are young kids that we've abandoned. We call them street kids. We call them all the other names. And these are innocent kids whose dreams we've not paid attention to, whose lives, whose dignity we've, we, we do not care about. If we deny decency to these kids, if we deny them an opportunity to go to school today, if we deny them an opportunity to live as normal human beings today, what are we doing to the future of our countries? What are we doing to the future of humanity? If we refuse to educate, if we fail to educate young people today, we are actually uh, denying them job opportunities and business opportunities tomorrow. If our discussion on inequality is something that we believe in, then we must invest ourselves in making sure that the young people today are empowered, are prepared for a future that we would bring about equality. So in the song, Nimbeko is me trying to say, I'm worried, I'm, I'm fearful. Because at the end of the day, whether you've educated these young people, whether you've prepared them for the future, they will still grow up. If we are to tackle the issue of inequality, if we are to tackle the issue of poverty in this country, the best place to start is let's take care of these young people. Let's take care of the young people. Let's educate them. Let's, pro- let's, let's prepare them so that as they grow, 
they will be prepared, they'll be equipped for the future. And even discussion on inequality will be different if we give these young people an opportunity to go to school. It is a beautiful song. And um, I think, uh, Pilato, it's interesting to think about the the privileged and the the well-educated in Zambia. What do you think of the world's billionaires? You know, on a, from a global perspective, when you think of the, the privilege you see globally, when you think of Jeff Bezos or when you think of Elon Musk, I mean, billionaires, what does it mean uh, for you to see them out in the world? And what, what do you think that inequality means for Zambia? For Zambia, like for any other place, it's clear that we society has become like a collegium, like a stadium where uh, we watch men compete to become the world's billionaire, the world's richest, you know? So the billionaire culture has even made inequality a sport. We are quick to celebrate Jeff Bezos, the world's richest man, but we've neglected to identify, to look at the people that have sacrificed, people that have been exploited, people that have been abused in the process for one individual to become the richest man. We are quick to celebrate them, but we've neglected to ask very critical questions about the people that are working for these people, about where, what is it that is necessitating, what is it, who, who are the accessories in this sport where people, yeah, men who will be celebrated as world's richest. This is a society that we've created, a society where dignity, human dignity is meaningless. Our discussion on inequality, like you just uh, rightly uh, mentioned the names, cannot be vague, cannot be done in abstract, like we, uh, like we do not know what we're talking about. When we speak about inequality globally, when we speak about inequality locally, what we are saying is the people that are making the most of the situation, the people that are benefiting the most, the people that are stealing the most, must be held accountable, must be held responsible, must be responsible enough to say, this is what we got, is everybody benefiting. We cannot celebrate the people that are rising at the top without caring, without worrying, without taking time to lift the people at the bottom. Jeff Bezos may be the, the richest man, but do we know the poorest man at his company? Do we know the people that have sacrificed? How are they living? I Somebody told me that there are people that are working at Amazon and are still homeless, are still sleeping in their cars. That's immoral. That's immoral. We cannot have a situation like that. It's it's a disease that we all must uh, decide to tackle. Yeah. Unfortunately, we still live in a world where, you know, many people will look at what's happening, um, you know, let's say in the African continent, and they think, okay, the solution for us here is to give charity. What's your kind of response to that and that kind of way of thinking more broadly? Uh, first of all, charity cannot replace justice. Charity is not a solution. The issue with charity is that you take away so much from people, you steal from people, you disadvantage people, you put them in a position where they need charity for them to survive, and then you come back as a messiah. That's criminal. That should be criminal. My point being that we should resist a situation, we should resist a a system that makes millions of people deserving of charity. We should resist a system that makes millions, that converts millions of people into deserving of an individual's charity for them to survive. It is wrong. It is criminal. It is sinful. It is sinful that millions should wait for an individual, for Bill Gates, to buy them vaccines. It is wrong. It shouldn't be normal. The millions of people should sacrifice, should donate to an individual, not an individual being so powerful that they can actually 
donates to millions of people, to nations, to countries. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Charity has its own place, but it shouldn't come at the expense of justice. It shouldn't come at the expense of morality. It shouldn't come at the expense of human dignity. Pilato, if we're, if we're sat together now, you're, you're going to see me like nodding. Violently. Yeah, me yeah. too, me yeah. too. <laughs> Seriously <laughs> nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Pilato, you keep you keep saying we, and I, I want to go there for a second. I want to let me start by congratulating you because you are number one at the moment in the charts in Zambia with this song, It's Not Fair. So yeah, congrats, man. How does it feel being number one? Uh, thank you very much. No, it's not a new thing for me, but it's new in that this is a song that is uh, talking about issues that matter. When we make music about alcohol and we become number one, we're super excited. And it's rare that a song that is conscious and that is speaking to reality becomes a number one in the nation. It's very rare. So this one is a special case. Yeah, obviously I'm excited because of that. And Pilato, this song is, you've done it with the, with the Fight Inequality Alliance and you're part of this broader movement in Zambia, yeah. but also across the world. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Fight Inequality Alliance and what it's all about? The Fight Inequality Alliance, for me, has been like a bigger family. I've always worked alone. I've always worked as an individual. And purely because I've always had trouble connecting myself myself to established uh, organizations and groups because obviously I'm impatient, especially on things that I'm strong about. Like for me, inequality is an emergence that needs to be addressed. So I have always had problem working with any other person because what bothers me may not bother them as much as it does to me. So when I heard about Fighting Equality Alliance and I had a meeting with them, I realized that we were uh, we were agreeing and we were at the same pace. We were both bothered at an almost an equal level. That is not easy for, especially for people in my space, because it is difficult to find solidarity in a situation where you have to stand against the powerful. It's difficult to find friends where in a society where standing for truth is not popular. So the Fighting Equality Alliance, for me, is that space where I go to and I would say, this is what is happening, this is wrong. And they say, yes, this is wrong, we have to do something about it. Even before I get upset about something, there's obviously 10, 4, 5 people that are upset already and are ready to, to, to act on, on, uh, on, uh, on that particular issue. And also it is very important because this Fighting Equality Alliance is made up of ordinary people like me, the people, the grassroots people. And I've always held held a a thought, a belief that anybody that's going to discuss inequality without the people at the grassroots, it's purely gossip. It's, for example, Davos, billionaires discussing issues of inequality. For me, that's just billionaires gossiping about poor people. It, It doesn't work like that. So Fighting Equality Alliance, it's, it's not a distant relationship 
this is a space where you find if I'm going to talk about too much taxes for teachers, I'm going to be sp- I'll be speaking to teachers that are being overtaxed. If I'm going to talk about ununionized workers, I'm not going to speak it in 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 a vacuum. I'll be speaking to somebody who's been denied the right to belong to a union because obviously their boss wouldn't want wouldn't let them wouldn't let them to do that. So fighting equality alliance is 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 that space for, for for me and I've been a member of the fighting equality alliance I think for three years now and I'm still be happy if I had an opportunity to join again. I'll still be part of it again. Can I ask you a bit about music, Pilate? So you know musicians and politics and it's musicians like you across the continent have huge reach, particularly with the youth. Um, to kind of fight inequality, demand accountability. I mean, how do you see the role of music in Africa in kind of achieving the political change that we need and, and the reduction in inequality that we're all fighting for? Uh, music is powerful everywhere. And the power of music, the power of creativity, the power of art cannot be doubted. So we, our music has, first of all, if we were to look at the negative side of things, if you see how young people dress today, you realize that they must have seen it in a music video. They must have heard it in the music video. If we have been able to use music to promote ideas that are negative, the another example is patriarchy. So we have used music to promote men and uh, insult, belittle women. Why can't we use the same power to reshape society. Why can't we use the same power of music to redesign society? If music has the power to destroy or to disfigure society, it must have the power to reshape it into something that we all can say, this is a society that we deserve. We can't use music only on uh, superficial ideas of success, superficial ideas of excitement and happiness. I ask myself, what is it that I could do if I had power, if I had power to influence, if I had power to change anything? What is it that I could do? In my music, if music is power, then I should have that power. If music is power, it means that I have that power. I'm going to use this power to create a society where my children, being daughters, they will not be treated as lesser human beings because they are female. I have to use this music to create a society where the humanity of my children, the humanity of those that will come after me, is not going to be determined by which side of town do they live. Mm. For me, if music is power, I would like to use that power to create a society where my children will have to go to the hospital and be treated as human beings and access good health. They do not have to be to, to announce that they, they are Pilatus' children. The fact that they are human beings, they should deserve, they should be accorded that, that, that right to good health, to health. They should be able to go to school. They should be able to have a job. Their dignity must be guaranteed by the fact that they are human beings. If music has the power to create a society like that, I don't think I can use it for anything less. Pilato, uh, that's, that's, that's a lot there, man. And, you know, in a way as well, you know, if you take a step back, it's like, um, you know, so much of music has, has also been, and so much of culture generally has been captured as well, hasn't it, by the rich and, and the powerful. So music is also your, is a form of resistance to that, like the great artists that, you, that you've mentioned, and, and you're there with them, man. 
I wanted to ask you, you know, Max and I um, have had this long running dispute on, on the best form of music. Can you solve this problem for us? Can you can you back me and say that, you know, R&B and hip hop and, and let's say rap as well is the best, best form of music? So the, the best form of music is the music that makes the art dance. <laughs> Thank you, Pilata. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> Pilata, that's not that's not the answer I'm seeking here, man. But that's OK. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Pilato, we like to we like to end the podcast on on a note of hope, and yes. I, I wanted to go there because, man, you know, watching you over the years, you know, you've you've been you've been thrown behind bars, you've been challenged, you've had to kind of, you know, you've had to stay brave and had to, you know, face real challenge to you. I'm interested to ask, you know, what what gives you hope in the fight against inequality? So what gives me hope is the fact that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. The fact that I've got a voice that can be heard. The the fact that I can speak and somebody can nod and say, yes, that's true. Yes, we deserve better. Yes, we have the power. For me, for me, that's hope enough. The the, the, The situation that we found ourselves in is that there are so many voices that are speaking. And for those of us that have the privilege to be heard, to be listened to, if we can speak equality, if we can speak justice, if we can speak dignity, if we can speak inclusive inclusivity, and there is one or two people listening, that's hope already. Because the next discussion they will, these people will engage themselves in, the, more, the next opportunity they will, these people will have, their minds will be aware that we need a better society. And there's no way we're going to create a better society without equality. Secondly, also the young people that we are spending so much time with. I'm right, currently working with uh, an organization called uh, People's Action for Accountability and Good Governance in Zambia, which I'm the executive director for. And we speak to young people every single uh, day. And when you speak to these young people, you see like the, the epiphany, like they realize that, damn, things have been bad and we can do better. For me, that's hope enough for a better future. Thank you so, so much, Pilato, man. I think, um, I think, I think we'll carry on the conversation for many hours yeah. offline and look forward to, um, to meeting with you again and, and, and to listening to more of your music. Um, we're gonna, gonna finish, uh, as, as we thank you to also ask you, is there a song of yours we can finish? Do you think with that, what will give people some hope? Uh, yes. So what song is that again? I'm trying to think from the new album. I, okay. Maybe you can play. You can play uh, Mama Earth, which uh, is a song about uh, climate change and how we need to act responsibly. Because if we believe in the future, then we must take responsibility in making sure that the environment is also part of our planning for a better future. Brilliant. Thank you, Pilato. Thank you very much, Nabil. Thank, Thank you very much. Pilato. It was a pleasure. <laughs> climate change so i hope you are all well Loleshenyu kutuafuma, fingi tualufya kunuma Hameshi mumi manana ya kamaka, suba na kwefyo kalikava Ushefi chidi efyo chari, loleshenyu eko mwari 
ifishimana afikama ibushe inabantu kumishi ngabena chidishani ukwambila fie kuvalimi insalani palulimi akshene nilelo imeni namwebo bantu If we all say no to the cutting of trees then we give him more life to mama yeah. Whoa, what an interview. What what a guy, Max. What a guy. I mean that was I mean I could have listened to him all day long. That was brilliant. So profound and uh, and his and his music is so profound as well and folks do check it out. It's iampilato.com. iampilato.com. His latest album is up there. Well worth a listen. I've listened to it many many times already. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Nabil, but I thought music in the podcast kind of worked really well, didn't it? Totally. So uh, just let me try this idea on you. Next season, we may be line up an interview with like the head of the World Bank with like an R&B soundtrack, something like that. I mean, you can put an R and B soundtrack to anything, Max, and it's gonna it's gonna sound really good, you know. But um, yeah, let's let's maybe put the suggestion to committee first. Yeah. You mean we'll ask Nadia and Elizabeth? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. But listen, while we're on the note of, of plugs, we have a blog, don't we, Max? Yes, uh, the blog uh, is fantastic. Equalshope.org. Really great blogs. We've got one there this week on race uh, and COVID from Brazil. Uh, check it out because it's, it's it's really interesting and we're getting some good stuff on there. Yeah, one one amazing one you wrote as well about Bridgerton and inequality. So um, that's our blog about hope in the fight against inequality to go with our podcast about hope in the fight against inequality. Folks, it's been a magnificent season. We're bringing it to an end now. We'll be back in March. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Yes, it's been, it's been a fantastic season and uh, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you in March. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.